This is Basic Ball Four. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Base Hit Ball 4. My name is Glenn Negris alongside Tyler Blumenstick, Scott Roswald, and Alex Cashman. A lot going on this week in Major League Baseball. We're going to get right to it. The most controversial thing happened last night was the Fernando Tatis uh, controversy with the Grand Slam. So what happened was Fernando Tatis, who is catapulting himself into stardom into the conversation for top five players in the game hits a home run early in the game and then later in the eighth inning with his team up 10 to 3 and a 3-0 count hits a grand slam which kind of set off kind of a firestorm over the next few hours and into today about the idea of the unwritten rules of baseball and I feel like this conversation comes up every so often when it comes to the older generation of baseball fans and now the younger generation of baseball fans who don't understand why, you know, you can't swing at three and out, why you can't bat flip. It's just this back and forth between the two uh, demographics. And in my opinion, I think this is the stupidest thing. I feel like we're all going to be in agreement because we are the younger generation of baseball fans. My thing was this pitch better. If, and you won't give up a grand slam down 10 to three on a three Oh pitch. But, you know, for some reason, these grown men in their 30s get their feelings hurt. So it's, it's a shame because we had endless discussions about how to make baseball better and how to make baseball more entertaining for the younger generation of fans and how to make it more like the NBA and the NFL with action. There's no action in taking a 3-0 count, 3-0 pitch, no matter what the score is. So there's no problem with what Tatis did. There's no problem with what Joey – with. Uh, Jose Bautista did years ago with the bat flip. This is to make baseball better. It went viral. People started talking. People who don't normally talk about baseball talked about this issue. I, there, there's nothing wrong with hitting a grand slam for your team, no matter what the score is. And I think, you know, the manager for the Rangers, I, I, I don't know if he was protecting his pitcher because, you know, it's not something that happens often, um, but it, it's – it's just weak. It's just a weak thing that needs to stop in baseball, in my opinion. Let me say something right now, and this is a hot topic for me. I'm not happy with this at all, and I think baseball is going in the wrong direction, and this is just hurting it immensely. But let me say something right now. The Rangers and their staff can say whatever they want. I, whatever. I don't care. Let their feelings get hurt. Rub some dirt on it. Grow up. I, you little bitches. That's all they are. I have a problem with the San Diego Padres. If I'm calling the shots in the Padres organization, I'm looking for a new manager right now. You got your $300 million contract, what $300 million player getting thrown at, and you're defending the other team? Are you serious? Who are you? Get out of here. That's, that's horrible. I'm sorry. That's absolutely horrendous. I, I'm looking for a new manager right now if I'm the Padres. That's so, disgusting. How do you show your face in San Diego? How do you show your face to the rest of your team? You're a little so, piece of shit. You little bitch. So something to throw out there with Jace Tingler is he came from the Texas Rangers organization. He spent like the last decade um, in multiple roles with that franchise. Who's so signing his paychecks now? Yeah, I understand that he gets paid by the Padres. He's their manager. But I understand why he might have some, no. you know, he has connections there. Which is absolutely. I don't agree with you. Going to stop. I'm just. I'm not mad at you. I'm just. I'm I'm giving you the facts. I know you're you're angry about it. I I heard that too, and quite frankly, I don't give a shit, honestly. But let me tell you something. If the Rangers are going to come out of the dugout and agree with the Padres and say, "Hey, we're not going to try to score runs anymore," then fine. Tatis can take that pitch. But if they're going to still try and win, they're going to try and make a comeback. Why in the world should Tatis just take a pitch down the middle of the plate? It's a cookie down the middle of the we plate. See, we see it a million times when you have a seven, eight run lead, all of a sudden it gets cut to five or four, and then you got to get your closer up. And every game bleeds into the next because if you got to get your closer up, that affects him the next game, even if he doesn't end up coming in to the game we're talking about. So every game, especially in a season like this, where run differential might be one of the tiebreakers in a playoff situation you need as many runs as you can get. So it doesn't make any sense to put your foot off the, the pedal and just stop playing hard. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the, the argument is super flawed because 
saying that the team that's up by seven runs needs to stop trying and like not care about seven the game runs anymore? It's not a 15 run lead. Seven no. runs is not insurmountable. And then the it's just and then the, uh, the losing team. Oh, like we can keep trying as hard as we want to try and come back and win this game. The Phillies last week were up 13 to one and almost blew that game, winning 13 to eight. Like it was way too close. Like that in that situation, like the Phillies did take their pedal off, you know, the gas and they almost blew that game. And that easily could have happened in this game last night. The Rangers have some guys that can crush the baseball. It's not like they're a terrible team. And the as we're just glossing over the fact that Fernando Tatis is just blown up. He came up last year and was phenomenal, had the injuries late in the season. The guy's probably – he's playing like the second-best player in baseball right now. His stats are – he's saying he's number one, but no one's going to be better than Mike Trout until Mike Trout – no longer exists. He hit two absolute missiles last night. Both home runs he hit were were huge. I mean, the first and one took off like a nine iron. Like it didn't even go like thirty feet off the ground. It was lower it was than a sick. nine iron. Yeah, you're, the, you're the big golf guy. I can see your flag behind you, dude. That I tweeted about it. That thing went like at max, maybe like twenty five feet off the ground, thirty feet. I wonder if I could get the uh, StatCast data for it. Probably find the StatCast for that. It, it was absolute missile. And, like, we're we're taking away from the the amazing things that this kid is doing. Yeah. And it's it's a shame that then after the game, he has to go into a post-game press conference and, and he has to sit there and apologize where he should be getting praised for the incredible things that yeah. he's doing on the field right now. I mean, we talk about all the time, and I, that's kind of what I went on in my opening kind of like lead-in. We talk about all the time about how can we be, how can we do better as like a baseball community, growing the game and making it more accessible and more interesting to the younger kids, the eight to the nine to the ten-year-old kid. And a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr., he has the swag, he has the swing, he has the look of a baseball player. We should be celebrating the accomplishment, the accomplishment that he had last night hitting those two home runs hitting seven rbi games he leads the league in home runs he leads the league in rbis he leads the really he leads the league in runs we should be and still in bases guy, now. yeah we should put you putting this guy on a pedestal on the same pedestal as a mike trout or a cody bellinger or a mookie betts or an aaron judge when he's healthy instead we have some people saying oh he's disrespecting the game i see a lot on twitter about a lot of the older kind of boomer people on Twitter, on baseball Twitter, being like, oh, you have to respect the game. Respect the game. Here's how you respect the game. If you're the Texas Rangers, play better baseball. That's a better way to respect the game than Tatis going oppo on a 3-0 pitch, hitting a grand slam. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, how can Tatis be at fault for any of this? This is a sport. This is a game. You're playing to win. You're not playing to protect feelings. If we all played baseball, we all stepped in between those lines. When you do that, you want to absolutely annihilate the people you're playing against in any sport, whether it be baseball, football, or basketball. You don't want to let, like, let up. Why are we letting up? They don't do that in football. They don't do that in basketball. No. They keep playing. They keep playing until the clock hits zero. There's no clock in baseball. So to balance that out, on a 3-0 pitch, you're going to hit it out. And if you don't like it, pitch better. Throw a better pitch. Don't fall into a 3-0 count. Don't be losing 10-3. to it, Stupid. It's just dumb. Yeah, Tatis knew exactly what was coming there. It was obviously going to be a fastball down the middle of the plate. It was a little away, but still, he smoked it because Juan Nicasio is not going to – he did walk the bases loaded, but in a 3-0 count, he's not going to throw a slider to walk in another run. Like, he's got to throw a, a pitch to try and create an out to get them out of that jam. And, you know, Tatis smoked it. And we should be praising the kid. And then I love today, the Padres came out. Will Myers hit a grand slam in the first inning today. Uh, Padres got up 6 nothing. And guess what Fernando Tatis did? He stole third base. Big that he uh, that he went out there and – and did that today. All right, well, we're losing Scott for a second, but basically what he's saying is that, you know, was, they hit a grand slam right away in the next game today, and then Tatis stole third with his team up big. So he's not letting up, and I guess the apology went for none. I love that current, there are current and former players 
are backing him up. We saw Johnny Bench back him up on Twitter. We saw Trevor Bauer say, don't apologize. Do you? That, I think that's important because five years ago when Bautista bat flipped in that playoff game, there was a lot of pushback from former, from current players at that time saying that's not what you do. And it seems like five years later, the current player, the, you know, the 25 to 30 year old is starting to accept the let the kids play movement. So I think that's important because honestly, at the end of the day, who gives a shit what these like 50 or 60 or 70 year old baseball fans think about how things were in their day. It's not their day anymore. So this is a new game. The game is much different than what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And this is just the way it is. And you got to get used to it or you got to not watch anymore because this is the way that baseball is going to attract eight, nine year old kids to play baseball instead of choosing a different sport. So I think what Tatis did, is fine. I mean, but and 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 also, what's the difference if he does take the pitch and then he hits the grand slam on the three-one? It's still the same amount of runs. It, it it just doesn't make sense. The idea that you have to take three-zero never made sense to me. I understand that some hitters don't like the pressure of hitting three-zero because they feel like they have to do damage damage, but let it rip, dude. If you're 3-0 and you're confident, no matter what the score is, no matter what the inning is, no matter what the situation is, if you can swing it, swing it. And Tatis is top five. And I want to see him hit a grand slam. I don't want to see him walk with the bases loaded. Is that even an unwritten rule of baseball, though? Like, since when can you just not – Well, do you the unwritten rule is you don't – It's like – At any point all, in the game for no reason. We all played – we all played, so we know like the kind of the unwritten rules of amateur kind of baseball is like, you don't take the extra base if it's a big lead on a pass ball yeah. or something. You, you don't you don't swing three zero on if you if you're up by a lot. It just yeah. No, I, I mean, guess the idea is you don't want to show up the other team, but, uh, but that's the lame. thing is this is the major leagues. Like, like exactly, these are grown men. They I don't should know, be able to handle getting their ass kicked. I don't know about you guys, but when I was still an athlete and I was still playing baseball. My team could have been up 23 runs, and if there was a pass ball, I'm taking second every time. Absolutely. And I've never gotten, understood. And I've gotten yelled at by opposing coaches every single time. Every single time. I don't care. That's their fault. I want to go up 24 runs. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. You know what an unwritten, you know what an unwritten rule to me is? Don't, don't step on the line on game day. Like, that, that, that's an unwritten rule. Not take, Those you are have superstitious to take, things that, are, that proceed to yeah. you. It no. has nothing to do with hurting Glenn, if the you, feelings of the other if, team. No, Glenn, no. If you step on the line on game day, I don't care if you're superstitious, a little stitious, or not stitious. You don't belong in the sport. I happen to agree with Scott there. That's a, No, I'm not that. disagreeing with Scott. I'm saying that that rule, and if you follow that, that doesn't hurt anyone. That's just for you. Yeah, that, that, that's that for me. That's I'm not what saying it's a, I don't, I'm not saying be. it's a dumb, unwritten rule, but it's I'm unwritten. Just, I'm you're saying that right you'd now. potentially break edge. it, so I don't know. I'm on edge. I, I get punched over in the nose. This is right up there with that Brewers bullshit that they pulled in the playoffs last year. Actually, this surpassed that. That's two years ago. Well, but that's kind was, of the Shut up. But that kind of was an unwritten rule in terms of, you know, you say this is the starter, and then they just do a switch one batter in. That's not an unwritten rule. That's being little bitches and not wanting to show your hand. Isn't that what – you want to do in a situation no. like it's kind of like playing poker. That, no, no, that's not baseball though. What do you mean? What's not baseball about it? Throwing your starting pitcher for one at bat. Is that baseball? I, they played baseball that day. I don't know what and, you're and the, about. I'm pretty sure the Brewers lost that game. So it, does, does it really matter? No, I mean, they got what they deserved. Losers. It's all about competitive edge, and I don't know. Regardless, back to twenty twenty. It's a professional sport. Like exactly. Score your runs. You're trying to get paid. Just go. Just like play baseball. Like you need to throw the ball over the plate. The batter, his job is to hit the ball. Doesn't matter what the count is, whether it's oh oh one oh two oh three oh. Who cares? Hit the baseball. It's major league baseball for a reason. Yeah, uh, we've seen it. The, I, I remember. It was a while ago. It was when Josh Hamilton was still on the Rangers. The Rangers put up 30 runs on the Orioles in a game, and I'm pretty sure Hamilton hit four home runs in that game. I guarantee you in his fifth at-bat, sixth at-bat that game, he was going up there trying to hit a home run every single time. I got I to gotta say something. As heated as I am, 
Um, I'm not putting this on the Rangers organization. I'm putting it as on that little puppet they have running the show as a manager. I just think that what he tried to do just was just a ter- it was just not it was just dumb. With the Rangers manager? Yeah, I, you know, he I'm not going to put it on the Rangers organization, you know. I mean, whatever. They've had games where they're going to score 30 runs and they have games where they're going to give up 15, 20, 25 runs. I mean, it happens to everybody. The Yankees have given up 25 runs before. But my point is, you know, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to back up his player. He's trying to, you know, he's probably a little angry after getting tossed around by the Padres. But shut up. Take the loss on the chin. Go into tomorrow and win tomorrow. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. It was definitely definitely just an unnecessary kind of controversy that was just brought up by – the Rangers and the Rangers manager, but I guess the positive you can take about take out of it is that everyone was talking about it the next day. Instead of the NBA playoffs, instead of the NHL playoffs, the top story in sports today was this Tatis thing. Now, if the Rangers manager doesn't make a big deal out of it and everyone kind of just like shrugs their shoulders and say, hey, it's just another grand slam, is it as talked about now as it turned out to be? So you can take the good with the bad. Um, at the end of the day, the Padres, they're really, they're doing good. They're doing all right. They're 13 and 12. They're on the outside looking in of the NL West. The NL West is pretty solid. Outside of the Dodgers, you got the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, and then the Padres crazy. and the Giants aren't very good. It's insane, though, because just a couple episodes ago, before the season, we were talking about, I think it was when we were doing our predictions, we were like, does anybody have anyone other than the Dodgers? Or Because like, I don't think there's any team that can compete in this division. And... Now we have it's a four team race. And not that's that, good to see. It, not that the Diamondbacks are going to hold up because I I don't think they will. They I feel like their lineup just kind of like hits in spurts. Like they just get hot for a couple games and then they completely go cold. And then I don't know. You look at it, like the Padres. Like I think they're the probably the second best team in this division. And the Rockies are just shocking. Like they're supposed to be literally a bottom five team in the MLB this year. I mean, it's just one of those things about how this season's going to work out that you get a hot streak and then all of a sudden you're into it in late September. And I'm not saying that anyone's going to catch the Dodgers. Dodgers are 17 and seven, best record in the uh, National League. But, you know, it's for that wild card and for that second spot in the division and then those two other wild cards. I mean, the NL West is right in there. So we can have a situation where, you know, four teams from the same division, if it works out that way, four teams from the same division make that playoffs. And, you know, with the two out of three, anything could happen. It's not that one game wildcard game, which is kind of a crapshoot. The two out of three gives teams an opportunity for some breathing room if they lose that first game. And a team that really benefits from that this year would be the Oakland Athletics, who are just on fire. They've lost, actually, they lost today, or they're losing today. They're down 9-1 in the sixth. They're down 9-1 in the sixth. I have them. I have them lost yesterday, but... That yeah, giant series, when they came back in the ninth, seemingly every day, they have a lot of magic going on in Oakland. I'm not, I mean, I mean, the Astros struggled to begin the season, and they've won six straight since then, so they're getting back on track, the Astros are, which you kind of figured was inevitable. But the Oakland Athletics are a really, really solid baseball team. They got good pitching. They have a very good lineup. And this is a team the last two years that have won 90-plus games, but they just fall into that wild card where anything could happen, and then they lose to a Yankees team that won 100 games in 2018, and then they play the Rays, and they got shut out by Charlie Morton at home, which is something that could happen in a one-game series. So the team, in my opinion, that benefits the most from this playoff expansion and the elimination of the one-game round of the wild card would be the A's because they have another opportunity if they falter in game one to still pick up that series and advance in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they've been electric so far. Uh, the two grand slams to win a game. And then the other night, Stephen Biscotti hit another grand slam to, I believe it was tie the game or go ahead against the uh, the Johns in the ninth inning. Um, I've said it before. They're, they're a team that doesn't have that big name star, but just a ton of really good baseball players that just are going to do their job and you can rely on them. Uh, they've been exciting. I don't. I haven't always believed in the A's just because we've seen it. They've been the victim of this this wild card game multiple times. They were the victim of it 
um, back in, was it 2014 when they lost to the, the Royals in an epic game? They yeah. lost to the Yankees, and you mentioned they lost to the Rays. Um, it's good for them. We, I know we'd all love everybody that watches baseball, that likes baseball, would love to see the A's win this division just because it means the Astros didn't. So if they can keep it up, they're in a great position to be a threat in the American League. And even with this hot start, jumping out to a 16-7 and seven record, the Astros are still there. I mean, they would look terrible first couple weeks of the season. Um, Altuve, even still today, looks terrible. But they're, they're still around. They're three and a half games back. They've just won six in a row. So you can't discredit what the Astros have done. It's going to be interesting to see, Tyler, how the ALS shakes out. Yeah, I mean, Houston's won six straight at this point. Um, they're 13 and 10 now. I mean, it was looking down for them. It's still looking down. They're winning close games. I think what's happening for them is like their pitching is really coming around because uh, Altuve is now hitting sixth in the lineup. He dropped under 170 today. Uh, Springer, much of the same. Bregman's kind of like that middle of the pack guy. And then Correa is actually having a pretty good year. But I don't know. I looked at their lineup today and it was just like, I think. Springer was sitting, and then Correa came into pinch hit, but the starting lineup for them, it was guys like I've never heard of, but they're finding ways to win games. So, I think I don't know. when it comes to the AL West, I think the key for everyone will be what if and when Verlander comes back, what is he? So if Verlander comes back and he's Justin he Verlander. Out for the year. He, that was like immediately like rebutted by Verlander himself. Yep. So if he comes back – by you know the beginning of September, mid-September, and he puts together a few good starts, that could be the difference between winning the division or selling for the second-place spot or one of the wild cards. But, you know, how important is actually winning the division this year? In terms of seeding, it's important, but top two teams automatically make the playoffs. So, and the fact that there's no fans and there might be a bubble for the playoffs, what is home field advantage in the playoffs? So... You know, what, what I think we're going to see towards late September is sort of what we saw pre- prior to the implement of the expanded wild card 10 years ago when teams don't prioritize winning the division. Instead, they prioritize health and getting their starting pitching lined up. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts to this baseball season. Yeah, you can kind of just coast into the posting if you're a team that you know, you feel that you're going to be there. Astros are most likely going to be that second team in the West or first, depending on how things go for them. But yeah, you, you said it. It's probably going to be a coast at this point for a lot of teams. They're going to be teams that are still fighting and scratching to get into that wild card spot. Um, but if you're one of those top two teams in the division, you're you're probably going to, you know, pop the brakes a little bit, make sure that you do have your rotation set um, for that postseason push. Okay, so moving on to a team that will probably not be making the postseason because they look like probably the worst team I've seen in many, many years. And I saw the Baltimore Orioles last year, but it's right up there. And that's the Boston Red Sox. And the fall from grace that the Boston Red Sox have endured the last two years, the last year and a half is absolutely astonishing to me. They have the 108-win World Series in 2018. And then the bottom falls out right after that. I, I, a lot of people blame Core last year for kind of bringing up his starters late because of the late October run the year before, and then they never really got into a groove. That's fine. But then the idea that in the offseason, when you still have this core in place with Mookie Betts and Rafi Devers, and you still have Sale, who was healthy at the time, and Price, and all these guys, Ben Benintendi and Bogarts, to – just absolutely just give up and not only trade your best player and trade your second best, your, your second best starter for basically nothing. They had absolutely no plan to replace those guys. They went into 2019, even before the pandemic, knowing that these were the five guys that they were going to put out in their starting rotation. And it's just not good enough. And we talked about, you know, what's respectful or disrespectful to baseball. I'll tell you what's disrespectful to baseball is when one of your top markets, one of your storied franchises 
just completely gives up. I don't know what was going on. And for Mookie Betts, they didn't even – they got Verdugo, who looks like he has a nice swing. But, you know, they could have demanded Dustin May for, you know, the, se- the second best player in baseball that some people would say he is, Mookie Betts. But they didn't. They got Verdugo, who's, so he's, who's a pretty good player in my opinion. They got Jeter Downs, who knows. And they got another guy who's not up yet. Another, I guess, pitching prospect. But they did not get what they, were, they should have got for Mookie Betts. And it's going to help set them back for years, I think. I think this all started with the Red Sox, like maybe two, I think yeah, probably two, three years ago when it was when Kimbrell had to get re-signed or the year before Kimbrell had to get re-signed. I think I remember him being the, like, the literal last resort for that bullpen. Like he was one of maybe two or three pieces that they could actually count on. And then it went into the offseason. Kimbrell had to get re-signed. Then they just neglected to put money into their bullpen and ever since then, I feel like it's just been a slow, slow depletion of their pitching staff. And yeah, you're absolutely right. They didn't have a bullpen last year, but they were they were able to be competitive. For the past couple of years, though, because they had you know Sale and Price, and they had Porcello, and they had Eduardo Rodriguez, and they had you know a pretty decent staff with the lineup they have. But right now, I'm sure I, Cash was working with the minors. I'm sure Ty watched it. And, Scott, I'm sure you saw a couple innings of the national televised games. They don't even try. There's no pride with the Red Sox whatsoever. JD I think they're beating Scott's Phillies right now as we speak. They're, they're up one nothing on the Phillies right now. So, it's really the first time I'm seeing the Yankee, uh, Sorry, the Red Sox. Uh, they're still going to hit. But, yeah, the pitching staff is brutal. The, tonight, Zach Godley started. He's got an 8 ERA. Guys got they have other guys like Ryan Weber and like when Nathan Eovaldi is your is your ace, it's not good. Yeah, he had a great postseason run for them when they won the World Series, but we've seen it over his career. He's a guy that is oft injured and isn't very consistent. Um, unfortunately, they're missing out on Eduardo Rodriguez because of the heart condition from his battle with COVID. Um, Chris Sale with Tommy John. If they had those two guys, it's a different story. But as you mentioned, they traded Mookie Betts and really didn't get a ton back. Like Harry went deep. You got Ver, you got one guy in Verdugo who's major league ready. Downs is still in the minor leagues. They could have gotten um, Brewster Gratterall from the Minnesota Twins with paid, which fell apart. Gratterall is now part. An and Can you imagine Mookie Betts and Minnesota the Dodgers Twins? Bullpen. That lineup would be absolutely terrifying. But like, can you imagine? Like that—that that would be nuts. The the whole thing that the Red Sox ownership has stated that they want to do is cut back on their payroll. You're the belt. You're the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I mean they, they're acting like the Mets. That's how the Mets. And act. I, I understand. Yeah, they're losing a lot of money this year due to the no fans, but. They're the Red Sox. They sell out every single game. Their fans are there no matter what. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely loves. no excuse for them to just penny pinch all of a sudden. I don't know and, what, what they were trying to accomplish. They just won the World Series. Yeah, they, exactly. They won the World Series two years ago. They, I mean, they, they made a lot of bad mistakes with contracts recently. Yeah. Um, there's probably still paying a lot of those guys, but still. And one of the things I did here is they, their ownership group has been buying up real estate like around Fenway Park, and they're trying to like build up around Fenway Park, kind of create like that atmosphere that the Cubs have down in Wrigleyville. So mm-hmm. you're saying you guys have the money to go out buy real estate and build up the area around your stadium, but you don't have the money to put into your team to put a product on the field that is, you know, palatable to your fan base. And not only do they not keep Mookie Betts and they trade him away, this guy is a homegrown Hall of Fame guy. And that's like the Yankees, you know, trading Jeter five years in or judge now. How can the Boston Red Sox do that to their fan base that is so loyal and so passionate 
and wants the team to do well, like more than any other of the sports teams, it, it just makes no sense to me at all. I think the problem here is the J.D. Martinez signing. I, I know it worked out for them in the first two years of the contract, but through right now and looking forward, that's not exciting whatsoever. And he, like, he has an opt-out after this season. I'm yeah, not but sure he's not going to opt-out. That's the thing. Unless it's a team option, that he's still going to stay on the payroll. He's getting – it's one, uh, five years, $110 million. So what do you got? A little over 20 mil a year. And then you just let a guy like Mookie Betts, who is five years younger, walk – when you could only, you would have got away with paying him maybe like five mil, six mil extra a year. It, it's just bad. It's bad. And they that, signed Bogarts before bets too. I think that um, not that I like defending the Boston Red Sox because I don't, but Mookie also made it pretty clear that he wasn't interested in signing long term until uh, free agency, until his free agent year, um, which to me could mean he wasn't really sold on Boston. I mean. I don't know. That's maybe a risk that the Red Sox couldn't take. No, I, you know, I don't know if he did that. I mean, how, how much can you hate Boston when you have the fan base that you have and then you just won the World Series two years before? I think he liked Boston. I think he actually loved Boston. But I just feel like that's a kind of a play that players – I think that's just kind of a play that players use because they okay, want to experience that, free agency. A lot of players I get do. that, and, and, and I'm not uh, – whatever. Like, I'm not an MLB player. I can't, I can't commit to that. I can't tell you what – they are thinking my my perspective is if they're thinking well if he can't commit now we're going to trade him granted they didn't get enough for him but um i don't know i i just have a feeling that a lot of people knew it was kind of a mutual parting i don't think i don't i personally don't think Betts was going to stay i don't ownership think that's what to say because i don't think ownership wanted to give him the money I, I mean, what was, the, what was the big rumor before he actually signed the extension during the winter that he was just going to leave for half for a year and then Red Sox were magically going to re-sign him? I don't think that was ever in play because if Boston wasn't going to pay him today, why would they pay him a year from now? It's, it's all about money. I'm sure they loved bets and they wanted to keep him forever, but, but I don't know why you know the top three franchise in sports – is letting go a homegrown superstar and trading it for nothing because it just they, hand delivered him to Los Angeles. Yeah. I That's mean, the Yankees, there has to be more to it. I don't want to, I don't want to see if, if they went into a room cash and I agree that, you know, we don't know what happened behind closed doors. And that says, you know what? I hate it here. I don't like Boston at all. Get rid of me. Boston would have been like, fine, but you still have to get more for what you got. Oh, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that. I mean, the Yankees got Glaber Torres for a half season of a relief pitcher. No matter how good a role this Chapman is, he is a relief pitcher, and he was going to be there for two to three months. And they got, you know, a kid that could be a superstar and who could be a Hall of Fame guy. And the Red Sox got, you know, an outfield replacement. Not, and they also put in price in that deal too. And they didn't get, you know, the top cream well, of the crop I mean, I, of the I, Dodger I think, farm system. No, they, they didn't. They, but I do they think didn't that- get Dustin May. They definitely think highly of Verdugo. I'm sure they do, and I think I think Verdugo's a good player. I liked his swing. He had a couple of home runs in the Yankee series this past weekend, but they did not – you need to get an arm. You need to get a high-quality starting pitcher to go along with Verdugo for Mookie Betts, who's probably top three player in the game. You probably go Trout, Bellinger, Betts in that some, – somewhere in that order. And then Tatis comes through too. I don't know. Just in my opinion, I think that the Red Sox front office just completely botched whatever they were trying to do with Mookie Betts. And they're paying for it now because, you know, this is not going to be a Yankee situation where they have one trade deadline where they recuperate a bunch of prospects for expiring guys, aging guys, and then they're in the ALCS the next year. This is going to be a long process of rebuilding for Boston. And it's sad because, you know, baseball is better when the Red Sox are good. Yeah, I'm, sure the, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the ratings on ESPN and Fox this weekend were not good at all because who wants to watch that team? I, so I forget who I saw. Tanaka's been um, terrible today, by the way. Yeah. I, um, I forget who tweeted it, but they said, how bad do the Red Sox have to be 
and and for how long before the ESPN crew stops putting Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night baseball? I don't four think they'll ever stop. I don't think they'll ever stop. But like what if they so then they pose the hypothetical, what if the Red Sox do not win another game this year? Will we see Yankees Red Sox next year on Sunday night? Probably. Yes. I think the answer is probably yeah. Because the executives love them some post baseball. They love them sure. some rivalries. I don't. I don't know. I know. Is it much the, of a rivalry though? It's. It's not really a rivalry at all. Yeah, I mean they've won what ten in a row against the Red Sox now. There was a couple year period where we did not have grasp of that anymore, and going to Boston was a tough, tough trip. Maybe like yeah, I mean. Uh, between those three years, and five years like ago. what 13, 14, 15, 16, those four years, that was rough. But they the Yankees didn't weren't horrible. They won like 85 no. games per year that year, those years. Mm-hmm. No, but the Red Sox I mean, are definitely better. I mean, the Red Sox, if you really think about it, they they have had a few years this century where or the last couple last seven, eight years where they haven't been good. Remember that Bobby Valentine year? They came in last place. Then they won the World Series in 13. And then 14 and 15, they came in last place. But I don't think those teams were as bad as this one. This team just has no fight, and they seem very disinterested in playing baseball. Well, J.D. Martinez called out the team a couple days ago. He should. Yeah, I mean, I forget what he said. It was something for, like, four play. Great. Fantastic. (laughs) Scott, I put my money on your Phillies today, and here we go. Don't, Don't Don't do that. You got to stop doing that. But this isn't even a bullpen problem. This is a Zach Eflin issue and a no scoring runs issue. No, he's still there. Isn't he terrible? He's not terrible. He just can't throw a strike right now. It's a great problem to have when you're on the mound. Yeah. You've had that problem once or twice. You know what? We were talking about That was a low blow. (laughs) Wow. That's okay. Totally fine. All right. What do we got next? Um, wow. That was. T- talk some Yankees. Because it's cold in here. They continue to. We'll put on another sweatshirt. You won't be cold. The Yes they Network right now is to... airing the uh, Tatis quote, and it looks so much worse when you read it in front of you. I'm sorry. I had to just say I that. I don't like the score of the Yankee game right now. That kind of pisses no, me off. But not. we'll talk about the series leading up to this game, though. Yankees. They keep going, man. It's it's unbelievable. Everybody they bring up, I mean, Frazier, Wade, Talkman, Urshela, all these guys who were kind of like cast-off depth guys, weren't supposed to play a big part the last couple of years. Every time there's an injury, these guys come up and play. And then the Yankees, of course, they're without Stan. They're without Judge. Now they're without LeMahieu for, I guess, a week or two. They just keep they keep going, and I think the most important guy and the most, I guess, impressive guy has been Clint Frazier. Tyler, when he first came up, called a home run immediately, and then exactly that's what it happened. I've been on happened. a weird, weird, weird roll with that lately. I don't know what it is. I just – I've been – I did it with the Ford home run against the Phillies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ford, but who would have thought? He's in the big leagues for less than a week, and he's in the three-hole last night. So do we? does Clint Frazier ever see the alternate side or minor league baseball ever again? I want to, The right answer is no, but I, I'm not too confident. Yeah, he will. I don't know. I really, Dude, what, what are they going to do when Judge Stan comes back? I think he's out of options at the end of the year. I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. I think I've read some When is he a free agent? He's probably not for a while, right? He doesn't like have enough service time. Yeah, they, this Yankees definitely still have control over him for a couple of years. Twenty twenty five. It's the same who, situation who, as Tatis. So who loses a spot when Judge and Sand come back? If Hicks doesn't start playing well, they're gonna have to figure something out in their outfit. In outfield. terms of in a spot, in terms of playing time or roster, that too. I mean, the Hicks roster, obviously is gonna. Hicks would never go anywhere, but playing time wise. Frazier is in trouble when, you know, somebody comes back. Well, right now, if you brought back Stan, Judge, and LeMahieu tomorrow, the three guys that would probably go down would be, you know, Andujar, Estrada, and probably a lesser reliever. 
So you're telling me that you're going to bring up three outfielders and t- send down a reliever no, and two infielders? I, I'm saying hypothetically if I'm trying to do a No, no, I, I'm not arguing with you. But you got I'm not it. arguing with you. How can you bring down Frazier when he's playing so well? I mean, we'll They've done it in the past. We'll, That's the we'll thing. See how he's They've shown us they don't time, care. We'll see how he's playing by the time they actually do come back. But I mean, who's, gonna, who's giving you better at-bats? You know what? Frazier I mean, I think some, someone could get uh, hurt again. Yeah. You know, Aaron Hicks could have some elbow tightness. Or Brett Gardner could sprain an ankle or something. I don't know. I don't think Gardner has a lot of at-bats with the Yankees left anymore. I, I think this is his last year, and it's a shame that you didn't get to see it over 162. But he's absolutely the odd man out right now. I think it's one to year be. too long. I think Frazier should have been up all year at this point. Whether it was a full season or not a full season, he should have played on opening day. And if you're telling me that Tyler Wade is up there for his glove and for his speed, but speed mainly, Clint Frazier is not as fast, but he's not slow. And if you can have him, like, sit on the bench and be a pinch hit option, he's a much better option than Tyler Wade is. And Wade, you, you can put Tyro Estrada anywhere. Andujar can play third base. He can play I think, left field, I think, supposedly. I think Wade is up for a different reason. I mean, obviously, he's incredibly – he's the fastest player in the Yankees, first of all. For sure. By far. Second of all, he has played second base, shortstop, third base, and the corner yeah, outfield positions. And the thing is, Tyro can do the same thing. Before Cope, yeah, but he's not as fast. It's a fair point, but I'm saying the trade-off before, for Clint Frazier's pop that you can have COVID, right off the bench. Before COVID hit, Tyler Way was in like 450 in spring training. Yeah, so was Greg Bird every single freaking year. Look where he is. He was hurt. I mean, he might as well be recording a baseball podcast just like us. Greg Bird, I don't think it was ever a talent issue for Greg Bird. I think it was he couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, I agree. But doesn't matter. It does matter immensely. You you just said you said the complete opposite thing about Judge and Stanton last episode. Well, I'm not saying no 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 no. I'm not saying the Yankees should have kept Greg Bird. That's not my point. I'm just saying. I know, but you're saying you can't you thing. can't fault him because of the injuries. But then you turn no, around, you no, fault Stan. No, 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 no. That's not my point. It's the no, same no. thing. No, 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 no. Time out. Time out. No, no, no. You compare Tyler Wade to Greg Bird, right? You said, well, Greg Bird hit 450 in spring training, also. Yeah. But if if Greg Bird stayed healthy, he wouldn't have been sent down. He would have been. That's a fair point. But when he did so play, my point. he still didn't produce. He was a under point, 250 hitter and. Barely hit homers. My point is that Tyler Wade's a good player, and on another team, he probably he could be a starter. Yeah, but he, he's, he went to the Texas Rangers, and now he's out of a job. I'm talking about Tyler Wade. Oh, I thought you talking about Greg Bird. No, Greg but Bird. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. Like, he's going to be a utility guy. I mean, years ago, they were talking about how he's the next Ben Zobris, which I completely do not see. It's not, I don't think that's in the realm of possibility anymore. But he's definitely that last cog that you need, speed, glove, something. But I don't know. I just th- I just thought in terms of trading anyway, for Clint Frazier's pop. My, my point is terrible. my point is I don't think that you could put Tyler. I don't think you can replace Wade with Frazier. I think that that's two separate things. I think yeah, that I agree. I think that um, Tyro Estrada would go down well before Tyler Wade. I Miguel agree with Duhar you. Would go well before Tyler Wade. I don't know. It's tough. But in terms of wanting to I maximize think- the bats on the bench. Wait, is that guy to go down? Well, if you want pop, but here's the thing: how much pop do you need? When you need kind of that you can never have too guy. Much you pop. need that glove. You could you have too gl- much pop. Oh, Tyler Ray just brings a different dynamic to the Yankees. That I love Tyler Ray. I wish there was a spot and, for him. I mean, to we start. talked about it right after opening day when he scored from first on a double down the left field line. Not everybody can do that. He's probably the only guy on the Yankees. Him and Gardner that can, you know, make that happen. He could steal a base. A lot of the Yankees can't steal a base. He could play all over the field. Not a lot of Yankees can play all over the field. I think Tyler Wade is a very, very important piece of the Yankees. Just because he doesn't hit the ball 450 feet like everybody else, that doesn't mean he's not important. That doesn't mean there's not a role for him on the the team. He's constantly playing. He constantly hits at the plate like a slumping Brett Gardner. And it looks the same, st- and it feels the same. Exactly, but you're, you're brought back when he scored from first base. 
He also um, had a drag early in the year. Or, yeah, but the thing is, he's not getting on base now. That was just about the last good thing he did at the plate. He's only gotten 20 at-bats this year, and that's for good reason. I mean, it's, he's, not, he's not a major league caliber guy. He's a pinch runner, a utility guy, late-game defensive replacement right now. No, it's a good thing for you guys. You don't need Tyler Wade. Yeah, if the Yankees want Tyler Wade to hit 300 and drive in runs in the middle of the order, that's a big problem. Tyler Wade's a guy you put at the nine hole, and you hope he hits a ground ball to the right side with a runner on second to have LeMahieu up with a runner on third and less than two outs. That's the kind of guy Tyler Wade is for the Yankees. You don't need him to get the big hit. That's not what you should be asking him to do. You should ask him to take it's the extra true. base on a single, go first to third. Your guy to go to second to home, to go to first to home. You can't ask Tyler Wade to, you know, carry the load offensively. But that's why he's a bench player, and that's why I think he's useful on the bench, and I, that's why I think he's going to stay. I don't think he's a guy you bring down. I think the guys you yeah. bring down are an Estrada, who's a depth guy. He's not really a guy that's going to crack the Yankees roster if everyone's healthy. And Duhar, he's a wild card for me because, you know, I love what he did in 2018, but he got hurt in 2019. And so far what he's done at the plate is, you know, less than ideal. I mean, the difference between Tyler Wade and Miguel Andujar, other than, you know, speed and, you know, good defense is the fact that you, Miguel Andujar is a guy you would want at the plate with the bases loaded in two outs. Cause he's a guy that can do damage. We've seen him do damage. But that's just not happening right now. He's struggling at the plate. So I would choose Frazier over an Andujar at the point at this point when it's time to bring guys back and send guys down. Yeah, I agree. And I absolutely was not saying that Tyler Wade doesn't have a spot on the team. I'm just saying if you want to maximize pop in your lineup and have the best bats on your bench, literally nothing else included or considered, I think that would be the option. But, yeah, I think Wade is a very important piece of this team on both defense and the base bats. So. Something that was very important to me yesterday for the Yankees was Chapman looked very good. I mean, he gave up a couple runs, gave up a few hits. There was one little cheap double down the line. and But other than that, I was not really looking at the result because I knew the Yankees were going to win the game. I was looking at the velocity, and I think that's very important with Chapman. And he hasn't pitched you know, meaningful games since you know the Altuve game in the ALCS last year. That's 10 months ago now. And he was pumping 101. So it's just another guy the Yankees to bring into that bullpen. I think it's Really good for the Yankees that they can bring Britton down, who did a great job filling in his closer. And then that brings Green down to the seventh and Ottavino down to the sixth. They get Holder and Loisaga and Sessa. So just more bullpen depth for the Yankees. Something Scott can't you know, relate to, unfortunately. It's a shame. Unfortunately, yeah. But so you think that the Yankees should be slotting Chapman into the closer role right away? Yes. Absolutely. Without a doubt. He's the closer. I don't know. I feel like you give him another like week and leave Britain there for now. What, you, just put him, like, you just put him in, like, the eighth inning, seventh inning? Yeah, use him seventh, eighth inning right now because this kind of right now is his spring training. As you mentioned, you were looking at the velocity. His velocity was right where it should have been last night. So why would you throw him into a, an emergency, like a, a closed spot right away when he hasn't pitched in 10 months? Because... If the Yankees were, you know, struggling to begin the season, and yeah, I just saw Frazier almost. Hit. Wow. Wow, you can't get closer than that. That's anyway, like six inches from the pole. The Yankees are 17. Tyler's heard that before. The Yankees are 17 and 7. You know, they're pretty much, I looked at fan graphs today, they're a 99.8% chance to make the playoffs. So they have that kind of leeway to if Chapman has a bad you know, game at the closure spot, it's not going to kill them. Stop. 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 Glenn. But you pay Chapman to be the closer. He comes back, he's the closer. Glenn, I'm not disagreeing with you. Chapman should be the closer. What I'm saying is that you cannot sit here and tell me that the Yankees have leeway because if they lost this game, they're losing 6-1 right now, right? Yeah, they're probably going to lose. They're still in first place. They lose this game, right? And you're going to go on a Twitter rant saying the season's over. No, I won't. Yeah, you heard you say that before every single time you tweet that out. Did Clint just actually go deep? No. John Sterling would have thought so. My point is every game means something, okay? So if you don't think – not, I don't mean you. I mean the Yankees. If they don't think that Chapman's ready to go, they're not going to throw him out there in the nine. But I but think if, that – If they I throw him out there th- – th- 
I think they could have brought him back a week ago, but they wanted to make absolutely sure on the alternate site that he was ready. Okay. And why, that's fine. Mess, why mess with who Chapman is? Chapman's a closer. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that they're not going to throw him out there thinking, oh, well, we have leeway. They're throwing him out there thinking, okay, he's getting this saved. And if he doesn't, then that's a problem. But I don't think that they're going to say, oh, you know, we, we have a 99% chance to make the playoffs. No. It's a 60-game season. Every game means so much more than a regular season. If they're throwing him out there, they think he can close the ball game, regardless he had COVID, not COVID, whatever. He's also not going to pitch in back-to-back days for the first week that he's back. Um, just fine. But, which is which fine. Is, which is mm. fine. The thing is, but, it's not like a crapshoot for them. Like when they threw him out there yesterday that, or two days ago, I guess, by the time this drops. If you're throwing him out there, it's not the first time you're seeing him pitch. Like it's spring mm-hmm. training and the guy's just reporting. Like you saw him through, throw bullpens. And I feel like his velocity was a key indicator because if he was sitting down at like 96, 97, obviously like he's got the capability to get up to 102. Probably not any much, or probably not much higher uh, anymore. But I feel like that when his velocity is there, he's rarely off with the control. So I feel like that was probably a very big uh, starter for them. And his slider is so much better when he has one one. The slider oh, yeah. doesn't play the same when it's ninety six. No, it just it because just it's a cookie at like ninety, and and when you're expecting one one or high nineties, and then you get that spinning cement mixer slider. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Altuve got, even though he knew it was coming. Um, you're you're gonna bang it. Like you you, you got your weight back. You're ready know. for one on one. Nice word you, choice. You hit ninety. What? It's good word. Good word choice. Actually. Yeah, because you said um, you said you talk about Altuve, and then you said bang it like a trash can. So. You know what? I think I just did. You do that intentionally? Entire... No, I didn't. Oh, okay. oh. <laughs> that's a shame. But yeah, I, the Yankees. I mean, today, today's outcome's not looking good. You got to be happy that they took care of business against the Red Sox. But, you know, you just got to hope if they don't come back today that, you know, they have Cole tomorrow against Glass now. That's a very big game. You hope Cole go out, goes out and dominates like he did on a Friday night against the Red Sox. That was probably the best we saw Cole. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to those Phillies. Phillies had a very interesting week, Scott. The Mets series Oof. trying their best serious. to blow games. So give us the state of the Phillies this week. Uh, you know, I'm feeling good. They swept the Mets. Uh, that That's what was important to me after the atrocious series against the Orioles. Um, it's always good to beat the Mets. I hate that franchise. The Mets are, are a team that can hit, but outside of DeGrom, they have no pitcher. The, the, it's, a, it's an atrocious, atrocious team outside of DeGrom's uh, starting, but they hit the ball. Conforto can hit. Um, Dom Smith was hitting the ball. Robbie Cano's hit now. Pete Alonso's starting to break out of it. But, yeah, the Phillies, they hit the ball really well. Bryce Harper's on fire. Um, did you lose me again? Or No, you're no, good. Just, uh, okay. <laughs> um, Bryce Harper's on fire. He's on an eight-game hitting streak, hitting like 460 over that break. Rail Muto is the man they brought up Alec Bohm, which I'm really excited about. Um, so they're, they're still a team that's going to not blow you away, but they're in the hunt again. And the national league East is wide open right now. Yeah. The that Marlins division, are still that to yeah, anyone can the, win that division really. Yeah. Cause the point. Marlins are still in first place, but I can't imagine they're going to finish there. The no. Cunha just went on IL for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Markakis just went on to the IL for the Braves because there's a chance that he might have COVID now. And the fact that the Braves, um, their pitching staff is just decimated with injuries. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's a wide open division. The, the like they, when they play when they had that two game series against the Yankees, the, the the pitching was not that. I mean, it sucks that Markakis and Acuna didn't play in that series because they're on the DL or the IL. But you know, it's kind of like. Kind of like the Red Sox, not as bad, but they really don't have starting pitching to measure up with, you know, what the Nationals or the Phillies have. And the Nationals have been struggling too. I feel like that whole division is just a complete mess. Yeah, we, we all hyped that division up before the start of the season as being one of the best in baseball. And it's, yeah, we did. It's been a struggle. Because, um, and for good reason, because of every single 
team in that division other than the Marlins, but those other four teams, if they all like would play to what their talent level would suggest, that's a very good division. That's a very tough division, but they've seemingly all at the same time have been awful in their own way. Yeah. It's been a struggle. They're, they're all finding ways to uh, not be good. And, but you know, that keeps the door open for everybody. So that's why I'm feeling too bad about the Phillies. Um, at the moment, because anything could happen, really. I, I, nothing would shock me at this point with this team. The NL East is currently the Atlanta Braves are at first. Uh, they did move up at the first. Percentage points-wise, they have a 583 winning percentage. Miami's at 563 at 9-7. The Phillies are at 8-9. and nine. The Mets are at 10-14, and 14, four games back. And Washington's four games back. So from first to last place is a difference of four games, which is crazy. Even so is that in the a makings of a good division games. or a bad division? Well, bad because you know the first place team is only four games above five hundred. Or they're all the other divisions, well. All the other divisions are at least seven or eight games over five hundred. That is true. Especially considering the Bra- that the AL East is very top heavy. There's only two good teams. The Braves are the only team in the division that have a positive run differential. They're at plus sixteen. Miami's even. Philly's minus three. The Mets are minus fourteen. And Washington's minus five. The Marlins were really surprising me. Same thing with the Orioles. I mean, I know it's early. It's a small sample size, but I, what was that graphic this morning? Uh, oh, Pete. Pete Savage posted on his – I think it was a Snapchat or his Instagram, and it was like comparing Cody Bellinger, um, Mookie Betts, and I forget who the third guy for the Dodgers was. And then it was like the Orioles' top guys, and the Orioles had them beat in terms of like the top four guys. I was impressed with the season. Orioles. The Orioles hit. They might. They don't have a ton of pitching, but those guys hit the ball hard. They're very active in their approach. Hanser Alberto was absolutely smoking the ball against the Phillies. Uh, same with Anthony Santander. They're they're just really aggressive because you know what? They don't have anything to lose. That's, yeah, so, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's the whole point. They they can go out there and just say, "Hey, we're here to play. We're gonna." Bust our, you know, our tails to see what we can do, um, and it worked. It works for them. I don't know exactly what their record is, but I mean, they're not going to pitch, but they're going to. Baltimore hit is twelve and ten. They are four games behind the Yankees. They've lost Price their last. Bet not looking great. Their under over total was twenty and a half. They got to win eight <laughs> more games. That's it. We had a we had a kind of a small discussion of if they'd even win ten games. Yeah, this is bad. Real bad takes so, are coming out of this uh, base hit ball. Good for, good for them. I don't think it's going to hold in September. Same with the Marlins, but, you know, it's a good story. What are you going to do? Um, one more thing before we get into our winners and losers of the week. Um, the Indians, 13-9, and nine, game and a half back of the Minnesota Twins, but still controversy with Plesak and Clevenger. Apparently, one of the veteran teammates said in a team meeting that he will opt out if they come back. They've both been optioned to the alternative site. So what do you guys think the future is for those two guys? I did see some stuff on Twitter that uh, there's a chance that they would be shopping them in the trade market. I take uh, mainly, mainly, oh, I would too. They're both really good pitchers. Um, they, the Indians are a team that is probably at some point are looking to rebuild they're owned by a Dolan, a member of the Dolan family. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they returned to oblivion at some point. I, I just, I don't, I, I agree. It was Oliver Perez that came out and said, I'm going to opt out. Oh, was it? I guys, thought it was an yeah. I didn't, I didn't dive uh, I saw it today. He like, he, his name got attached. Yeah, to but him. who is Oliver Perez? He's been in the big leagues for. I, I understand that, but it's like, point. That's if not the Lindor point. said that. It's not the point I would who said it. Make, makes a difference. It's but, not the point who said it. It's the point yeah, of the, these guys messed up. That's fair. The rest of the You're locker right. room doesn't want I can to take that risk. Right. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want them back either because they betrayed their yeah. trust. Yeah. Especially yeah. Mike Clevenger. Now, let me, let, me, let me pose this question. What would you want if you were a Cleveland Indian player to gain their trust back? Is it possible at no, this point? not this year. No. So you think they should just and, be – I mean, if you're the Indians – 13 and 9, game and a half behind the Twins in the division. 
top two teams make the playoffs in each division with the wild cards. So most teams make the playoffs. Would you be willing, if you were a member of the Cleveland Indians, to not forgive, not no, not you know, be best friends with them, no, but say for our chance of winning, let's bring these guys got back there without you though. I mean, wouldn't isn't it the isn't the same thing kind of didn't the same thing kind of happen with Rudy Gobert during the NBA restart where you know they didn't love him because of what he did, but they understood no, that here's the, here's for the a thing. working relationship, no, here's the to thing, work Glenn. in order to win. In the NBA, they're in a bubble, so Rudy Gobert can't mess up. But these guys could go out and do it again. They just won't make it public. They could go out and they can go out to dinner and they can go to a casino, but they're just not going to tell anyone about it. They're not in a yeah. bubble. So, so I think I don't there's no them. way to make it work with a working relationship just to finish the season and hopefully go for a run for the World Series. Personally, I wouldn't, but that's just for me. Okay. I mean, I was asking the question. You answered it. So Yeah, that's... I have no reason to trust them. They've already betrayed my trust once. Why, why do I got to trust them again? Tyler, would, you, would there be anything for them to do if you were one of their teammates to, you know, get a working relationship to try to go for a run with in, the, in the playoffs? Or do you think they know. just can't come back this year? No, so like I feel like I'm in the minority here where I mean, yes, this was a big mistake from both of these guys, but there have been cases like it, it didn't infect the team. I know they caught it early, which was good. Not that either of them even had it, but there have been two in- instances with the Marlins and the Cardinals where teams have done much worse. They've gone on to gone into crowded places. The Reds too. I'm sure the Reds also. I'm sure these guys, when they went out to dinner, I don't know if that's just a code word for what they actually did, which I assume they actually just went out to dinner. Um, but you're sitting at a table. like It's a very normal thing. It's not like frowned upon within like the COVID guidelines of 2020. But I guess in terms of respect for your team and not wanting to bring it back, I completely understand, and it's unacceptable. You can't do that. But when you look at it at the end of the day, there are millions, tens of millions of Americans that are just going out to eat. And I'm sure there wasn't indoor dining. It was probably outdoor dining, which is also fine. Yeah, I just went out to eat. It, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that the, big of a deal, but it's just Ty, the trust I, factor and the respect for the rest of your team and how much it could actually influence. And I completely understand that side of it. But listen, I, I don't I agree. think it's a huge, I, massive deal. I agree. I don't think it's a huge deal either, but it's just the point where it, it's just stupid. It's just a violation of trust. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, Without these guys, at the end of the day, what's most important is health. And whether some people believe in the virus or not, or some people believe in how deadly it is or not, whatever, that's not for us to say. The point is, baseball-wise, you're trying to go out and win a World Series. You're trying to go out and do this, that, and the other thing. And at the end of the day, these teams aren't socially distant, right? So, you know, the guys yeah. in the Indians' bullpen or the Indians' dugout are not socially distant from each other. So if one of them gets it, there's a good chance that they're all going to get it, like we saw with the Marlins, like we saw with the Cardinals, and we're seeing with the Reds. So yep. that's just the end of the day. It's just it. not a good look. All right. That'll, that's pretty much the end of our show today. Before we go, our favorite segment, the winners and losers of the week. I'm going to go with Scott. Scott can go first. All right. So uh... – my winner and the loser of the week comes. They both come from our, our first segment uh, of the Padres and Rangers series. My my loser of the week is uh, is Chris Woodward um, for crying like a little baby, saying that you know Tati shouldn't have done what he did. You know the rules are the rules, but you know we were going to still try and come back. We're a team that's come back all year, um, expecting the the Padres to quit, but his team to still be able to fight which then leads me to my winner of the week. It has to be Fernando Tatis. Um, he earned it just for his performance last night. Um, two absolute laser beams for home runs. Now leads the major leagues in home runs, RBIs, runs scored, and stolen bases. Kid's going to be an absolute superstar. So Tatis is my winner of the week. Chris Woodward is my loser of the week. All right, Tyler. Here we go. Um, my winner, I mean, I wrote a blog about him. He- I was literally mid writing the blog and I got the notification that he got called up. So I'm going to reward him and the Yankees by making Clint Frazier, my winner of the week. Um, it's just kind of like awarding him like the American league play, uh, player of the week award. I mean, it's fine. He just deserves it. He's good. Nothing more to it. I want to see more of him, but um, loser of the week are going to go kind of off what Scott said. And I don't want to harp on it too much because we talked about it in the beginning of the show. Um, but 
Jace Tingler is going to be my loser of the week. It's just, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. We talked about it. It's just, you can't do that. You got to have your players back. I don't care whether you have ties to the Rangers organization from the past or not. You can't publicly, you can personally feel however you want about the situation. It might hit close to home, but you, you got to have your players back um, when you're facing the media. So those are my two uh, picks for the week. Go ahead, Cash. Uh, my winner of the week, Sonny Gray. The dude is killing it in Cincinnati and good for him. Uh, he's really put on a show for the Reds, which really sucks because he sucked for the Yankees. But It's Larry Rothschild's fault. In all seriousness, good for him. I'm happy for him. He, he uh, He's pitching well. Uh, the loser of the week, I mean, they both said it. I mean, I'm gonna, I was going to go with Tingler also. I mean, you got to have your guys back. How can you look Manny Machado in the face after he got thrown at and say, no, it's, it's, it's Tatis' fault? Oh, you want to hear something? Also, I was going to mention, kind of tie it back into Larry Rothschild because you just mentioned that with the Sonny Gray thing. You know, he's the pitching coach for the Padres. I had no idea until I now? saw. Uh, I thought he retired. I was watching a late night game the other day, and he's their pitching coach. thought he retired. I, I don't know when that sneak Yeah, was. so, I mean, I don't know how you could look at Machado in the face. I, I don't know how any of these guys can have their managers. Whatever. We don't need to harp on it. We talk about it all day, but that's my loser of the week. My winner is going to be Gary Sanchez because, you know, I go off on Gary all the time. You but, you know, he, he's hitting home runs. He hit home run about 20 minutes ago, and he hit a few against the Red Sox. I think you're uh, bipolar. Starting, starting to the come, well, I give credit when credit is due, and then I no. criticize when criticism is due. What's you wanted your problem? him cut two days ago. Yeah, I did because he was an automatic out. And now he's playing well, and I'm going to reward him for him. He's my winner of the week. Gary Sanchez coming around with the bat. Um, didn't have a good ninth inning defensively. Um, yesterday with Britain on the or a couple ni- couple nights ago, the Britain ninth inning. I think on Saturday night, didn't look great receiving the ball, but you know he's hitting home runs. That's what he's. That's what his call is. Um, my loser is going to be the Red Sox because just an embarrassment what they did over the weekend on national television two nights in a row. But you know, doesn't matter to me. I hate the Red Sox. So I hope they blow it tonight so I can win some money. That'd be nice. I, I hope you win money too. And I hope for Scott's sake that the Phillies come back too because he won't be help. So. so that'll just about do it on this episode of Base at Ball 4. Cash has a Lakers game to watch. I think the Blazers are going to win seven. I just wanted to put that out there. For Alex Cashman and Tyler Blumenstick and Scott Roswell, my name is Glenn Zanigas, and we'll see you next week. And go Islanders. <laughs>